Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning and welcome to the message, which is going to be from uh, John, the 12th chapter, starting with verse 32. As you remember, we're going to look at the the final workings of Jesus and his public ministry uh, within that last week. He's already had the triumphal entry, and he's within Jerusalem, and all the things that happen. Most of it is between him and his apostles, and then, uh, of course, with the, the Romans uh, there at the very end before the crucifixion. But this little passage from um, chapter 12, verse 32 through 50, is considered by most to be um, his last public discourse, as as it's recorded uh, in the scripture. There could have been other things said, not recorded. And John, the Gospel of John, has the most, uh, a very full, uh, look at what was done in that last week. That's why I use John um, in this way. Now, the audience of Jesus during this message was is called a multitude. There's a lot of folks there. A lot of folks are there. And Jesus cried out. Now, that word is is not said or spoke. He cried out. Get the emotion of what that means. You ever heard anyone cry out? I haven't too too often in my life. Uh, I guess I, the, the, some of the churches I've been going to are pretty tame or something. But uh, I heard a, I have heard a little crying out. But I mean, in reality, this was the emotion of Jesus. It's kind of how you are when it's your last words. You know, the last thing you're going to tell somebody. That sort of thing. There's an emotion behind it. But he cried out the very truth from heaven that they should believe every word that he spoke. That was the idea. Listen to me, for what I speak indeed is a message from the Father in heaven who sent me. He spent three and a half years trying to teach the people, the Jewish people of Palestine, the land of the Jews, that what he said Uh, was from his father. He spoke the words of his father, and the father had sent him. These are the things that they needed to believe so that they could be useful um, in, in their understanding of the message. In the first, first section, verse 32 through 36, he, he gives, he has this idea of the concept of if I be lifted up. And um, and you remember that from John chapter 3. 
verse 32. Oh, I better get back in my Bible where I belong here. Twelve thirty-two through thirty-six, I believe. Jesus said, um, "Well, let's start with verse thirty-one. This is where he left off before, uh, speaking of Satan. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out, and I, if I be lifted up." out of the earth, will draw all to me. But this he said, signifying by what death he was about to die. The crowd answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abides forever. And how sayest thou that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? Jesus therefore said to them, Yet a little while is the light amongst you. Walk while you have the light, that darkness may not overtake you. And he who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. Jesus said these things, and going away, hid himself from them. Now, you remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus about this idea of being lifted up? Because the Jews were asking the question about that. Uh, John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. We have it recorded. All right. He's speaking to Nicodemus up on the rooftop. He says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, thus may the Son of Man be lifted up that everyone who believes on him may not perish, but have eternal life. And then the familiar passage, of course, about for God has so loved the world. And But this idea of Moses lifting up the serpent, this was un- understood and well-known by the Jews. Uh, Moses caused, God told Moses to put that servant up and lift it up, and though they had to peer upon it to be rescued from death. That was the punishment of, of theirs. They had to peer upon that. And Jesus making a great illustration here about what it means to be lifted up in the context that he's talking about here. That's the lifting up. And this was causing confusion to the Jews because the Jews had heard and read concerning the Messiah, concerning the kingdom of the Messiah, that it was a kingdom that had no end. Daniel chapter 2 and all through uh, Isaiah and and uh, and some of the other prophets, most of the other prophets actually, speaking of this kingdom, the kingdom without end. So they said, this appears to be the end, not, not an eternal kingdom as they were thinking. But what does this mean? Well, let's go to um, 
Let's look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, 30, verse 32 and 33. This is, of course, the angel speaking to Mary concerning the child. He shall be great. He and shall be called Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give him the throne of David his father, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob for the ages, or age, all the ages. It's plural. And of his kingdom there shall not be an end. This is the messianic kingdom. This is the kingdom of God. This is a kingdom that, that was the kingdom of Christ during the time period uh, after the uh, church was born until in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Christ uh, hands the kingdom over to the Father and becomes obedient to him, uh, in submission to him, if you will, at a, at a point when God is all in all, uh, at, the, at the conclusion of the first, uh, first covenant. And of course, the new covenant is what we live in at this point. So, uh, this idea of abiding forever was, was true. It was a true thing. They were just mixing it up with the idea of being lifted up. You know, that whole concept was terrifying to them. And of course, it also... Uh, defined crucifixion. Uh, that's what crucifixion is. It's a lifting up. And they're put up on that, on that pole for a reason, as a deterrent to others that might disagree with the authorities. Uh, that is, the Roman authorities. And Josephus writes that Jesus was, was crucified as a seditionist. Well, Pilate said that he found no fault in Jesus. <laughs> so he was hardly a seditionist against the authority of Rome. Okay? What he was, was he was, he was the Messiah that was needed, that was, came to shed his blood for the forgiveness of sin. Jesus made not an argument. Jesus could have been released and probably uh, given a reward by Pilate if he would have stood and defended himself in a way that he could have, but he did not, because his goal was to be crucified, and his blood would be the, uh, the shedding of his blood. By, by the way, I disagree with that, that hymn, that word spilled, spilled blood of Jesus. That has the connotation that's, that's not, not accurate. Shed blood is, is the proper word. Spilled blood is, goes, to, goes to waste. Shed blood has a purpose. That's the difference. And, um, and, and it's not even good old English, okay? So I, that one, that, that's for free there. I'll just toss that one in. Um, but you see the idea here, and Jesus 
makes it clear by his 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 speaking. As as he goes on here, we're gonna he's gonna clarify this more and more. Jesus is the light unto the sons of light. He is the light. Isn't that what the the Gospel of John says that he brought light? Yes. And Jesus is the light. And without Jesus, there is darkness. And that's the world we live in. There's the light of Christ. If you're in Christ, you're in the light. If you're not, you are in the darkness. I don't care how good your eyesight is. If you're, if you're outside of Christ, you are a stumbling, bumbling accident looking for a place to, to happen. That is the situation. The true situation in the spiritual realm. And that's the, that's the realm, of course, that is the, the, the true eternal realm, if you will. Uh, the, those, the temporal things will fade away, but the, but the spirit realm will never fade away, of course. So he is the light of the world and to, unto the sons of light, as he calls them. And he, he, he wants them to become sons of light, followers of him, believing his word. Even today, knowing Jesus is sent out of God to mankind is the remedy to live in the resurrection, in in light, to live in Christ. All right. The second point here in this passage is that they believed not in Jesus. That's what the scripture says. That doesn't mean all of them. That means a good deal of them. Uh, verse 37 through 43. But though he had done so many signs before them, they believed not in him. By the way, this is a warning to all miracle workers of today and so-called prophets and, and uh, workers of miraculous things within churches. It doesn't work the way you think it will. And the thing, the other thing about it is, I don't care how good your miracle is this week, you better have one better next week. Or you're going to have some go away and say, you know, it's just not really up to, really not up to standards. What have you done for me lately? You know, it doesn't work. Even though it was evidence, it was the evidence to the prudent, it was evidence to the godly, that this was the Son of God that had been sent from heaven, it did not convert those that were, or their hearts were so hard. It's, it won't today either. And the prophet had commented that the word of the prophet Eliza, uh, Isaiah, which uh, he said might be fulfilled, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That's Isaiah 53.1. And he said again, Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts that they may not see with their eyes and understand with their heart and be converted and I should heal them. And that's a passage from Isaiah 6. It also fits with the parable of the sower this was Jesus' explanation to the apostles of how these things are. That the condition of a man's heart 
is, is a condition that he brought upon himself. It's where he lives. But God wants them to understand with their heart and, 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 and hear with their ears so that he can heal them. These things said Isaiah because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Although indeed from among the rulers also many believed on him, or in him is a better word, but on account of the Pharisees did not confess him, that they may, may not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved glory from men rather than glory from God. All right. So many of them believed not in Jesus, but, but some did. Believing means you will confess Jesus as Lord and Christ openly. This is one of the, the terms of pardon that God requires. Of course, we, we must believe there is a God. Of course, we, we must repent of our ways and accept his Son as our, our Savior. We must confess his name before others. These Pharisees were not doing that as yet. For some of the leaders, it says. The leaders, um, which were some of the priestly family. They weren't doing that. They were still afraid of the Pharisees. They were still afraid of men. We must not be afraid of men or anybody else. There's many that want to confess Christ, but they're afraid to stand before others and do so in front of a crowd, even within a church building. But friends, you have an obligation to do so. If you think it's hard to go forward and confess Christ, consider what it would have been like to be sent to the cross, carry your own stick, on the way up to the hill and put up with the people, how would, how, would that, how would that fit with your discomfort level? You see, we can't compare it, but the idea is it comes from our heart. If we believe and if we honor that word as to what it means, we will confess, and that's what believing means. Openly, daily, if you have an opportunity, you can do things without saying a word that confesses Christ openly to others by your actions. But sometimes you need to speak. Lastly, in conclusion here, Jesus cried out. And when he cries out, he glorifies the Father. I see that here. That's why I put it in the outline. And it starts in verse 44. But Jesus cried and said, He that believes... In me, believes not in me, but on him that has sent me. And he that beholds me, beholds that him that sent me. I am come into the world as light, that everyone that believes on me may not abide in darkness. And if anyone hear my words and do not keep them, I judge him not. For I am not come that I might judge the world, but that I might save the world. He that rejects me and does not receive my words has him who judges him. The word which I have spoken, that shall judge him in the last day. 
powerful words. For I have not spoken from myself, but the Father who sent me has himself given me commandment, what I should speak and say, and what I should, uh, and I know that his commandments, his commandment is life eternal. What therefore I speak, as the Father has said to me, so I speak. Now this was necessary, especially for the Jewish audience. Jesus was saying, I speak the words of Jehovah God to you. I am the Son of Man. I am the Messiah. He didn't have to say that because everything that he had done in his life said one thing. This is the Messiah. They knew that. They knew that. But everything that he said, God had sent him to say. There isn't a better sermon in the scriptures than that right there. That's it. But many, many don't have any understanding of what the Jews felt about the, the word of God. Because it was, was final. Hear, O Israel, our God is one. There is one God. There is one authority in the heavens, if you will. He is the giver of life, the creator of all. And now this is his son, the son of the son of man, the son of God, out of the father, the only begotten, standing before them speaking these words. To believe in Jesus is to believe he is the way the truth, and the life. When we say we believe in Jesus, we're saying all of these things because that's the requirement that Jesus set for us. I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that, friends, is the gospel message. That is the message given unto men from AD 31 to the very present hour. It has not been altered. I mean, from the scriptures. Many things have been altered, uh, but not with any authority. So we have one authority. These would be my comments today. If anyone is motivated in these, this thinking, let us know. As we sing our, our uh, closing, closing hymn today, Christ arose. We're moving towards that remembrance. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.